you, Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness, for your mercy. We thank you, Father, that you love us. Lord, you love us enough to correct us. You love us enough to show us the errors of our way. You love us enough, Lord not God, not to leave us in our misery. But, Father, you call us not only children, but you call us sons, Lord God. You call us heirs and joint heirs with you. Thank you, Father, for the relationship that we have in you, Lord God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would realize and know who we are in Christ, that the enemy may tremble. To know that Jesus is in their presence, even through us. I pray, Jesus, that we would take up the mantle that you've so graciously given. And that we would use it, Lord God, with authority. For you said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness and principalities and powers. <clears throat> and Father, that is an intense battle. But we're more than conquerors through Jesus our Lord because you said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we can rest in you. And I pray, Lord God, that we would do that. Find strength in you. Find your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is good all the time. We love him, we praise him, and we exalt him. Hallelujah. If you have, if you have uh, an offering this morning, um, just, just bring it, and then our treasure will, 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 will take it out. I know we're not doing it the way we normally or always do it here, but that's fine. But I want to talk this morning about the price or the process of sanctification. Sanctification is a necessity in walking right before the Lord. Now, there, there are some that believe that sanctification, something happens in a moment. I don't necessarily believe that because when I see among the believers is that it's a process. It takes... There's an old saying, it takes a, a moment to save a soul, but it takes a lifetime to make a saint. But if you would turn with me real quickly to Philippians chapter 1. And verse 6. I'm only going to read the first part of it. Because I want to read the, the last part of it at the end of my message. Philippians 1 and 6, it said, Being confident 
of this very thing that he, now we, I, I see, we got to push that blue bar right there. Just, just press the blue bar. There we go. Good morning. We are going to be speaking from Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, but I'm going to read just the first part of that verse, and then I'm going to finish it at the end. The Bible said, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. Aren't you glad that he's faithful? Aren't you glad he doesn't leave in a forsaken, but he said, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end. What, how would we fare if God left us to ourselves? Not very well. I know I wouldn't. I remember one great speaker, and I, I really thought a lot of him, and he got up before the people and said, if it weren't, if God didn't commit to me, I'd probably be dead somewhere in Georgia floating down a river. I'm thinking, wow. Because he had no confidence in his flesh. I have no confidence in my flesh. My confidence is in the work and the finished work of Jesus Christ. Every day I have to say, Lord God, you keep that which you've begun. Being confident in this very thing. I have to be confident in Jesus you see, my heart would fail me. My, my thinking is, is contrary to his thinking. But I thank God that he does not leave me to myself. And he doesn't leave you to yourself either. He will continually come into your life. He'll continually work with you. His mercy endures forever. Can you say amen? In 2 Thessalonians 2.13 and 14, he said, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and the belief of the truth. Whereunto ye, he called you by our gospel to obtain, uh, to obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to look at that word sanctification for a minute. The word is hagias, uh, hagiasmos. H a g e e a s m o s. It is a Koine Greek word that means properly to purify. It comes from a word that says that he takes that which is despised, that which is broken, that which is rejected, and he cleanses it through a process. And that's what he's doing in your life. That's where conviction comes from. You see, there's two C's that we can deal with in the Bible. One is conviction and the other is condemnation. But the father said very clearly, said, I did not send my son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have be saved. Conviction is a healthy thing. 
The Bible talks about a reprobate mind. Let me tell you about a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind does not feel conviction. A reprobate mind can't feel conviction. And that's why we have to realize every time you feel convicted, thank God that you're on his radar screen. Aren't you glad of that? You know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done that. Well, you know what? The Lord has said, that goes to show you I love you. He said, I chase. Not only do, does he uh, uh, cause us to come to a place of salvation through the bending of the knee, but he also chastens them in whom he loves. Do you know that fathers that don't discipline their children don't love their children? Bottom line. I've seen parents that try to make their children their friends. They're not mature enough to be your friends. Maybe when they're 25 or 30. But until then, they, they need a firm hand. They need your guidance. They need your wisdom. They say that in a, in a male, that the frontal lobes... 25 to 30 years old before they develop to a place where sound judgment can be found. And that's why in the, in, in the Jewish tradition or law is that no man under the age of 30 can hold any government office because they believed it was that long. And so what we need to realize as fathers is, is that we need to be willing. The Bible said, raise up your child in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart, because you'll form within them an habitual way of living. Oh, they may fall away for a while in their immaturity. An 18-year-old who still hasn't developed fully in their brain. Well, I'm of age now. Huh? Well, I understand that. And they may go out and make some rash and foolish decisions. But if you will have instilled within them the values, God said they won't depart from them. Why? Because it will continually be in their mind. You know, the, I, I think of Solomon. Now, God told Solomon, if you will serve me and you will do these things and, and, and stay away from wicked things, you know, you'll prosper and go forth. But we know that Solomon had a woman problem. And he sought wives from foreign countries. And the Bible says that he really was not a happy man because he said that wisdom hangs on me like a cloak. I believe that he'll, he'll be in heaven because I think he, he, at some point he most likely repented. And we can kind of see that. In, in the Proverbs and in other writings. But you know what? When you raise a child in the way they should go, they will not have the pleasure in the indulgences because they'll know. They'll know. You see, that they're enlightened. They know. Why? Because we have instilled within them what is right and holy. And that's, that's really a responsibility for each parent to instill within our children. What, and, and we're going to read this. God said he loves his judgment. The Bible said, spare the rod and spoil the child. 
Now, when I talk about a rod, I'm not bringing a club in and beating on somebody, but, I mean, discipline. I mean, there was a time when being grounded was a horrible thing. I'd rather take a beating and then I'd at least get it over with. But, you know, there's forms of discipline that can, that can and that's what God uses with you. He said in Second uh, Thessalonians three three. He said, "But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil." And we have confidence in the Lord, touching you, that ye both do and will the things which God, which uh, which things we command you. You know, some there's pleasure when God sees us doing things that are right. He wants us to do those things. And, 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 and the thing that we can understand by that is, Lord, help me. The Bible said the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. God, give me ears to hear. And how to keep cadence. He said, and the Lord direct your hearts unto the love of God, unto the patient waiting for Christ. Sometimes there's a patient. You know what brings patience? The Bible says tribulation will bring patience. So never pray for patience. <laughs> tribulation bringeth patience. But I want you to know something. God said, with patience possess ye your salvation. Because it's easy to get flustered. It's easy. Now I've seen people come to church and they come for three or four months and then all of a sudden, oh, it didn't work. They come to a rash decision. I've seen it over and over and over. When we have to say, I am determined, I've made up my mind, I will follow the Lord. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to draw back. The Bible said, he that, that, uh, that plows the field and looks back is not fit. Because he will get his rows off and make a mess of the whole garden. In John six twenty eight, it said, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Isn't that wonderful? Shouldn't we? Lord, what can I do? How can I work the works of God? I think that's an honest prayer. And then we know here in John six twenty nine, Jesus answered them and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him who hath sent you. How much do we believe? You know how you believe? By reading the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? By the word of God. Saturate yourself with the word of God. Lord God, that I would believe. In Acts 2 and 36, says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. You know the word Lord there means really means judge. That's what a king does. That's what a lord does. They judge. They rule. And in the rule is also the judgment. 
and Christ. In verse 37 of Acts 2, it says this. It says, Now then, they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter looked at them and said uh, unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin, that ye shall receive the gift of of the Holy Ghost. Repent. Be obedient. And he said, now I'll give you the Holy Ghost. I'll give you the presence of God to dwell within you. In Romans 8 and 28, it said, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. I've heard so many times people will quote the first part of the verse, but they leave off the second part. To them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Talking of the Lord. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them also uh, he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say? to those things. If God be for us, who can be against us? Don't you realize who, the hands that we're in today? I've heard people say, well, you know, I'm just, this is, this is getting a hold of me and that's getting a hold of me. The only thing that can get a hold of you is that which you allow to get a hold of you. We need to speak against those things. In Hebrews uh, 13 and 20, it says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, as we partook of the table this morning, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. What is the purpose of being made perfect? And the word perfect there, by the way, is teleos. It's a Koine Greek word, which means mature. Why are we made mature? So that we can... Let me read it again. That we can do His will. Not so we can sit in the pew and wait until Jesus comes. I've heard people, well, I'm just hanging around until Jesus comes. God didn't call me and anoint me to hang around. The Bible says, Lord, if you bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. We need to begin to believe in the power of prayer. We've got to begin to pray for our children with, with an authority rather than with a hopefulness. God doesn't get anything out of a headache prayer. The buzzer call, he said, what I've called good call, though, now not unclean. Uh, what I've called clean call, though, now not unclean. There, I got it. 
But the Bible says, whoever sins ye remit, they are remitted. And I say, whoa, what do you mean by that? What that means is, is God's given us authority that if we present the gospel to somebody and they receive the gospel and obey the gospel, we can tell them that their sins are remitted. It's not that we save them. Jesus saves them. But we can give them assurance. I was reading to the to group Friday night how Paul said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He said, and I come to bestow upon you. How many know that we need to have the goods and we need to be able to stand there and say, I will bestow upon you. How many of you have practiced that? You have the authority. You had the goods if you know who you are. Paul said, an apostle called according to Jesus. I know who I am. Even, even the devil said, Paul I know and Jesus I know. What, what are you saying by that is Paul knew who he was. Do we know who we are? Do we realize that we are the salt of the earth? Do we realize that we are the preservation of this earth? He said, if ye be in the salt of the earth, lose your saltiness. He said, what good is it but to be cast down and treaden under the foot of men? In other words, it becomes worthless. I know some might say, well, Pastor, I think you're getting carried away. Well, I think we need to get carried away. You know, the disciples walked with Jesus for three years, and they watched miraculous things. They watched him take a few fishes and a few loaves from a boy's lunch and, 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 and feed the multitudes, and then afterward take up 12 baskets of fragments, leftovers, from that little lunch. God can do anything. But I want you to know the only way that he'll do it is if, you, if you're willing to step out there in faith. I believe that God is able to do it. I believe that God can, can keep me from an addiction. I believe that God can do that. Lord, I put my trust in you. When I first took this church almost 30 years ago, I was met at the door downstairs with the treasurer who said, this is the, the map to get you to human services. All of our pastors have had to, had to collect welfare because we can't afford to pay you. And I said, let me tell you what. Why don't we start this something new? You keep your map, and we'll look to Jesus. Back then, they didn't have any back yard or back parking lot and all of that and I you know what I did oh Jesus if it be possible yo oh Lord God would you just go put a you know put that in him no I walked out through those bulrushes I stepped on every inch of that ground I believed God until I harassed these attorneys to sell it I didn't have any money by the way <laughs> that was the next problem we weren't even going to go there. How many know you don't want to do? Let's deal with the first one before we look at the second. You know, some people, they sit there and they try to plan everything out. And they don't dare make a step until the whole plan seems to come together. He said to, 
he, he said uh, to Nehemiah, he said, go and build a wall. <laughs> hmm. I never built a wall in my life. I'm on my way. The Bible said when Nehemiah got there, he waited until 2.30 in the morning when everybody's asleep, and he snuck around to look at it and think how bad it was. He had no plan. He didn't know what to do, but he stepped out by faith. You see, and that's what God is saying. If you believe me, prove it. And I remember walking through all of those, and it was a mess down in there, and it was kind of low land. And I walked through that thing. I called the attorney that owned it the, uh, down here, skeleton and whatever they were. And they said, no, we're not selling. I said, i got to pray more. So I went down in there again. And my wife said, what are you doing down there? I am building a parking lot. I called him again the next week. He said, didn't I talk to you last week? I said, yeah. He said, well, the answer is the same. We're not selling it. I said, i got to pray more. I went down there, began to walk over every inch of that. The next week, I called him again. He said, hello. I said, it's me again. I said, are you going to sell it this week? And by that time, he thought I had a loose screw. Who are you? How long has that church been up there? Do they know what you do? Thought I had a loose screw. He said, I'll tell you what I will do because I don't want you to harass me. I said, well, it's not my intention. He said, would you make an agreement with me? We're having a meeting tonight, the lawyers, and there's several of us partners. And he said, I'll present it to them. He said, I'm already telling you what the answer is. No. But he said, will you agree that you'll never call me again? I said, I'll make that agreement. Wonderful, he said. He called me the next morning and said, I don't know who you serve. But they voted unanimously to sell you the land. He said, we want 35000 but we're going to donate all but 5000 Isn't that wonderful? And what did we have? A parking lot that was 20 feet down. <laughs> and my wife went over and looked and said, how are we going to get down there? One problem at a time. <laughs> And so Captain Staples, over, he was trying to start a mission over there. And he told me he had a bulldozer. And I said, woohoo, we got us a bulldozer. He said, I'll bring it over. He brought it over, and it was no bigger than this podium. I didn't know they made bulldozers that little. I'm looking at a little bulldozer, and I'm looking at the big valley. And I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> Oh, well, we got us a bulldozer. All of a sudden, the next Monday morning, I opened the door, a guy with a hard hat, gendering and gendering. They said, we're going to be digging this street up down four feet. We got to replace all the plumbing and, all, and, and everything in the street. And we was wondering if you knew where we could put some fill. My hole. And so I ran over there with him, and I looked down, and I said, 
How about that hole? He said, hoo-hoo, that would serve us just right, he said. He said, let me go to the city and pull a permit to make sure, you know, and, and, and do all that. They did it all for me. And all of a sudden, about Wednesday, they showed up with this bulldozer that you would only put, you, you may be able to put two of them in this building. Huge, massive. And they came and they knocked on my door again and said, can you get rid of the little bulldozer? <laughs> it's kind of in our way. But you know what that little bulldozer was? It was my faith. And God said, if you have the faith, there's a grain of mustard seed. And I don't think that dozer was much bigger. You shall send to this mountain, move thou hither, and it shall be done. Thousands of yards of dirt to fill that hole. In fact, when they were out there, and then I was asking, could you dig this? And they were at lunchtime. They were out with, you know, and Jendron, the boss, shows up. What are you guys doing? Oh, we're trying to fix some stuff for pastor over here. He said, you got my whole crew. <laughs> well, it's their lunch hour. He said, my fuel. He said, do you know how much this would cost you to do? Thousands and thousands of dollars. But you've got to realize they probably estimated the street at seven or eight dump trucks to haul it at whatever distance. And they only needed two. Because, so that saved them trucks and, and time. So we won't go. That saved them too. But can't you understand that God says if we'll walk by faith? I'm waiting on the Lord. Well, you, how long are you going to wait? Now, I do believe in waiting on, on the Lord. But I also believe that we need to do what is is in front of us to do. Paul said, it's not my faith. I mean, it's not by works lest any man boast. James said, show me your faith without work. I'll show you my faith by my work. What Paul is saying is that everything we receive, we receive by grace, not by works. Think about that. Your salvation did not come from works. You don't have to earn your way like the Mormons do, who have to go out and knock on doors, and they have to go and do two years of missionary work before they can even go into the cathedral and all of that. No, we receive it by grace. But if you have received it, what, what uh, James is saying, it ought to show. You ever hear someone say, put your money where your mouth is? You know, so I'm walking around, oh, yeah, I'm tough, I'm tough. And the guy puts his elbow on the table, prove it. And that's what James is saying. He said, okay, you say you got all these goods, let's see them. You know, the Bible said, out of my belly will flow rivers of living water. God said he'd make me an oasis in a strange and a barren land. Look what he did with Israel. That land wasn't fit for a camel to live in. And look what they've done with it. Now most all the flowers in the world come from Israel. Out of that desert. Why? Because God anointed them. They believed. They spoke. And God performed. 
And God said, I can do that in your life too. It's a pleasure to serve the Lord. I've watched God bless and bless. And I love what David said. He said, I've never seen the righteous begging bread. He blesses us. I am blessed. I am blessed. In Acts 20 and 32, it says, Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the uh, word of his grace which is able to build you up. What is able to build us up is the word of his grace. The word, not the word grace, but the word of his grace. What is that? The holy written word of God. That's why David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. What is sin? Lack of belief is sin. God is saying, I want my church to rise. I want you to begin to speak to the problem. I want you to begin to believe. I want you to begin uh, uh, to, 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 to spread my word. He said this. He said, my word will not come unto me void. You believe that? You believe that someone could haul into a bar on a, on, on a, uh, a Sunday morning and say, Jesus loves you and that that could transform a life? Do you believe that? That happened in me. Just faithfulness. And we say, but Lord, I don't know what I would speak. And that's what Moses said, remember? And he says, I, I, I've got a speech impediment. I can't do that. He says, uh, but, but what will I say? He said, say, I am that I am. Yeah, what else? You see, when the Holy Spirit speaks through you, it doesn't have to be elaborate. Just a kind gesture can go as far as God wants it to go. I've been preaching now for 35 years. One year in Hebron, three years in Pittsfield, and 30 here, I guess that's 34 years. 34 years I've been preaching the gospel and pastoring because somebody called into a bar room and said, Jesus loves you. I'd have died that night because I got in a bad motorcycle wreck out running a police officer out of Portland. I was not very bright. But that night when I made that turn and I knew that I could not make it at a high rate of speed, I'd outrun him by a mile already. He said, when I came down across St. John Street off of Congress, he said, when that your frame of the motorcycle hit the ground so hard that he said it was probably 30 foot of, of, of sparks that came off that frame. He said, I don't know how you kept it upright even then. But I came out to the West Gate and, 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 and out there, there was a turn I could not make. I knew I couldn't make it. I would have cursed and swore. 
But instead, because somebody said, Jesus loves you, I cried out and said, Jesus, if you love me, save me. And as the rescue and all the, the, uh, the, the police and all of them were there, they said, this is a miracle. Because when that bike hit that pine tree, it exploded and the fire just burnt the tree totaling the motorcycle and here I am a frail man but God saved me because I cried out and the reason that I cried out is because somebody was faithful see there's power and he said my people perish for a lack of knowledge they don't realize what is there They live on meager ration when I've given them the gifts. Peter said, I perceive that he's given us everything that we need. Why don't we have it? Because we're not skilled in it. How do we get skilled in it? By studying the word of God. We've got to study the word. He said that you need not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, you know what it means to divide? Anybody that went through the seventh grade knows that when you went into biology class or science that you learned how to dissect a frog or you learned either through reading it or actually doing it. I don't know what program you had, but you realize that by opening up the animal or or the uh, reptile or whatever, that there was more inside of it than there was on the outside. And that's what it means when it says rightly dividing the word of truth. It means to take that exacto knife from heaven and not just reading it from the surface, but beginning to actually study it. And you begin to cut it open. You know, we, we did that with acorns. We learned we could make pipes out of them. <laughs> Don't do that, but. But you, you begin, and I, I think children have a curiosity, and they want, well, what is in there? Oh, that's, that's terrible. But, but what is that for? Well, that's the heart that, that makes them live. This is the liver that, that you know, that cleanses the, uh, the, their organs and, and go on and on and on. But you see, he said, rightly dividing the word of truth. How much time do we spend in the word? Do we have a coffee table Bible at home that just sits on the coffee table so that when people come in, we can say, yeah, that, well, I'm a Christian? If you don't have a Bible program, I've got one I want you to have before you leave here. It's the very Bible program that I use to write all of my sermons. It has the interlinea. It'll take you to the original Koine Greek, or it'll take you to the Hebrew. It'll help you to study the Word of God and to know it. What did he he say? He said, I know whom I have believed. That's what Paul said. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded. People say, well, oh, well, I know the Lord, really. Can you find John 3.16? Well, you know, I'm not really skilled in that. You can't know God and not know his word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and we and dwelt among us as the only begotten of the father
there are there are a lot of religions that will that will speak in in uh, Latin, and and because they have the nice rattles, I mean, yeah, if you want religion in its purest form, there are places that can present a religion better than I do. You know, they got the robes and they got the smoke lanterns and they got all of these things and people come and, and they, they hear the, the, the message in Latin. They have no idea what that person said. And somehow they think that they're getting closer to God through that. There's only one way to get closer to God and that is through his word. That's why David said, thy word have I hid in my heart. That's why Martin Luther and the Reformation, because he knew that the people were receiving everything in Latin. And they were ignorant, and they had, to, and whatever they told them, they believed was true. And Martin Luther, being a scholar and being a priest and a teacher of the um, Catholic Church, he knew the difference. And finally, he was bold enough to stand up against and say it's by grace that you're saved. Why? Because the Bible says it. And you know what? That's when King James, and I think of, uh, of Tyndale, he printed a Bible and he was burnt at the stake and he said, let my life count. And that's when King James said, you know what? Enough of this foolishness. It was during the time of the Inquisition when they were they were murdering and 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 maiming people for for not following the cardinal doctrines of the church to the letter, and he said, "Let there be a Bible written in the language that the people could receive." And if you go to the King James Bible and look at it, there had to be third I mean fifty four scholars. And they had to agree unanimously. And the reason that King James set it up that way is he knew that there could be infiltration of corrupt people. See that in Washington, don't we? That would try to sabotage it. I mean, when you look at how the, 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 the pains taken it took to translate that Bible from Koine Greek into the New Testament and from Hebrew into the Old Testament that you and I could sit there and read it. What a privilege it is to have the written word of God. What a privilege it is to be able to go to that word and to glean from it. What a privilege it is to know Jesus by meeting him in his word. Be a student of God's word. He said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. People live on meager rations and they live on them because they don't realize the depth. They don't realize all that God has given us. They don't realize who we are. And as long as you have an identity crisis, the devil laughs because it gives him freedom. It gives him freedom over your family. It gives him freedom over your health. It gives him freedom over your life. I was listening 
to a preacher who's talking about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities and powers. And he said, if you understood what that what that meant, Paul was using a sports term of his day. When they wrestled in those days, they tied two people together and they gave them weapons that would kill. And the one that won was the one who lived. The other one died. Paul used that very word. In other words, you may go into an intense battle with the enemy. It's not a headache prayer. It may be a wrestling for days. It may be saying, I will, I am determined, I've made up my mind. I'll serve the Lord. I've left this world and its pleasures behind. Determination. The Bible says in the last days many will forsake the faith. They'll begin to see something in the world that will be more attractive than serving God. I've seen it so many times. It's a decision. But what we have to understand is the Bible said, let God be true and let every man be a liar. And when my emotions, I presented to the group on Friday night, I said, you know, when somebody says to you, two men, you know, they love each other. They've had a hard life, you know, and, and, and they're happy now. I mean, come on, Pastor. I think about it. And you know what? Your heart, if you're honest with your heart, will say, oh, what's the harm? You know, they're happy. But we don't rule. We're not ruled by a heart. Because if we were, the Bible said the heart is desperately wicked and who can know it? We are ruled by the intellect, not the human intellect, but the intellect that we receive from the Word of God. If God's Word said it's unclean, if God's Word said it's unholy, then we've got to be, decide with God always. Not that we should ever hate anybody. We're not, we're not given to a spirit of hate. We're given to a spirit of love. But love will always speak the truth. I mean, I have a problem with that. My wife says, how does this look on me? <laughs> you know, it works. Because I know I'll probably lose my head. No, I'm just joking with you. <laughs> but we need to be honest. <laughs> Maybe we can say some real kind words and, you know. But what we need to understand is our hearts will always steer us the wrong way. I remember when Obama became president. I'm getting political just a little bit here. But when he became president, there was a part in my heart that said, I'm so glad that we're, we're representing the black community. But you see, I wasn't using my head because my head said, what does he believe? He was a follower of Reverend Wright, who was a radical, who's not a Christian at all. 
You see the difference? We can be so easily swayed by our heart. And that's where the Bible says, there's a way that seemeth right to the heart. Because we want people to be happy. We don't want to make a big deal out of things. We, we, we just want, you know what? Come on, I just want to love, man. I just want to be loved. Lord, I just came into the church to help people. I don't know what's going on. Half of them hate me now. <laughs> oh, boy, have I been there. I've literally cried those tears. It's a lonely walk sometimes. It's a painful walk sometimes. And someday it might even cost you your life. It did John the Baptist. John the Baptist went to, her, went to Herod. And he said, Herod, you have no right having your brother's wife. And Herodias, his wife, was so angry. She said, I will have his head. And when his, her daughter, which was not Herod's uh, daughter, but was his brother's daughter, who was beautiful. And he said, if you'll dance for me, honey, he probably had a few. He said, if you'll dance for me, honey, I'll give you up to half the kingdom. And so the young lady danced for him and her dance, whatever that was. And he said afterward, he says, whatever you'll ask. And she went, she said, let me go ask my mother. She went and asked Herodias. And Herodias says, I want John the Baptist's head. And so she presented that to Herod. And the bobs of the color came out of him. Whew. He did not want to touch that. But you see, when somebody is determined to do contrary to the word of God, they'd rather see a dead man's head on a platter. And sometimes it's the pastor's head. But you understand what I'm saying now? We're talking about sanctification. We're talking about walking with the Lord. I don't want to get off on a lot of rabbit trail. But what I want you to understand is that we have the power in the name of Jesus but we have to be faithful to him. We have to be loyal to him. I, Lord God, here am I. Let me take that oath and let me be loyal. Even when I wait, I'm weighed in the balance. God's word better be is the truth. I'm going to close with a couple of scriptures. If children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. You will suffer. He said, I did not come to bring unity, but I came to bring division. And what does that mean? Of course God wants the church to be in unity. But when he comes into a family and somebody hates you because of the Christ you serve, 
That's the division. Last verse. If you'd stand with me, please. People, we are in an intense battle. But God loves you. Aren't you glad that he speaks the truth plainly to you? Aren't you glad that the Lord is faithful? Jude 1, 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I'm going to read that one more time. It sounded pretty good. I, I like that. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. We need to continually cry out to him. We need to continually be in conversation with him. We've got to continually remind him, I am weak, but you are strong, Lord. Jesus said in John chapter 15, I am the vine, ye are the branches, and without me you can do nothing. Wow. He can keep us from falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And what does that mean to be faultless? It means to be under the blood of Jesus Christ. That you've asked Jesus to come into your heart. You've humbled yourself before him. And you've been repentant. One man told me. He said, you only have to repent once, you never have to repent again. I want you to know something. I'd rather repent one time too many than to go and find I repented one time too few. I continually say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. Father, you know that I'm weak. What did David say? He said, he said Lord, he said, I was shaped in my mother's womb. <laughs> he said, I'm weaker than water, man. How can I do this thing? But he became one of the greatest warriors. He became the greatest king. In fact, the Bible says, he didn't say, I'll sit on the seat of, of uh, Asa or, 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 or some other king. He said, I am going to sit on the seat of David. Why? Because David was willing to say, I am weak, but you are strong. God, without you, I cannot do this thing. The, in fact, there was a time when David was taken before the, um, the, um, the one enemy. And when he went before them, he said that he spit up on his, on his face with foam and acted like a madman. I believe that he had come to a point in his life where he was losing it. You ever feel like he's losing it? Aren't you glad David didn't, I mean, God didn't leave David like that, though. David was hunted like a partridge. David was, even the king of Israel tried to kill him. And he was going through an awful lot of stuff. So I, I don't judge him for coming that close to losing it. But the Bible said this, and if the children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, and then in Jude 1, 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling 
and to present you faultless. We know that King David's in heaven today. With all of his troubles and with all of his, his inadequacies, he would continually come back to the word of God. Are you willing to, are you determined? I pray that this word this morning would resonate, even with you on YouTube, even with you on Facebook. It would resonate with you to realize the power that is within you. We don't need to sit here and say, oh, my, they're going to take my country. I'm going to stand against that in the name of Jesus, not with a, a vile a bumper sticker or an overgrown flag of the United States. But I'm going to do it with prayer. And believe in God, you are able, and Lord God, that we will have revival. Jonah went to Nineveh, and the Bible said that Nineveh heard the word of the Lord, and they, they fasted, and they repented, and God restored them. They were a wicked country, a wicked people. Let's bow our heads if we would in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you speak to us. We thank you, Lord God, that you're able to lead us. Lord, not into temptation, but you lead us in all righteousness and holiness. Father, that we'd be students of the word of God and that it would be instilled within our hearts. Lord, we love you and praise and exalt you. You are holy, Lord. Continue to do the work that you do in our lives and in this church, Lord. Let us be a powerhouse for you. And that the word would go forth in a, in a, in a powerful manner, Lord God. Not denying the power thereof, but believing for great things. We pray it all in Jesus' holy and righteous name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless all of you.